0: Here's Jeff. Hello, Jefferson.
1: Hey man, give me a second here. Hi.
0: Yo, welcome to my summer layer. I'm your host, Sammy. I want to believe. You Nan. And welcome writer and director Jefferson Maneo to my summer layer. His latest feature is Cosmic Dawn, a trip at UFO cult saga starring Camille Rowe and Emmanuel Chiriki. I'll give you the basic description, but no, there's a lot more going on than this. After witnessing the alien abduction of her mother as a child, Aurora joins the UFO cult, the Cosmic Dawn. This movie, as you're about to hear in this conversation, visually, yes, it's an arresting kaleidoscope. Yet, it's also inspired by Jefferson's unexplained experience he had in his youth, what he terms are Crazy lights. He's going to share his experience, and I don't know what to make of it. Part of me is Mulder, part of me is Scully. Like being prompted by the movie, you have to question your assumptions. Between the UFO cult and the experience of Aurora, who witnessed the alien abduction of her mother as a child, it's like all off-kilter. What's going on here? <laughs> the only certainty is uncertainty, which is what you'd expect from a non-linear movie. This close encounter suggests an equally difficult question, why do you believe what you believe? Some contemplation music comes from MGMT who contributed a number of songs to the Cosmic Dawn soundtrack, that wonderful synth mm, and the style of the movie combined to offer up a warm 80s sci-fi movie feeling. Check it out for yourself, currently Cosmic Dawn is available on on on-demand platforms. But yes. Oh, yes. We got to start with Jefferson's personal experience with those crazy lights. Uh, so you're ready now to talk about Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind. Is that right? Yeah, sure. Uh, so for people that don't know, Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind is being abducted by a UFO or its occupants. Uh, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind is a UFO event uh, claiming direct communication between aliens and humans. Which are kind of like some of the themes that are in this movie, Cosmic Dawn, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, of course, is the first contact uh, that we've seen in the classic Spielberg movie. But mm-hmm. before we get into Cosmic Dawn's uh, and their experiences, you had a close encounter when you were 12 years old. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I was. Uh, I I grew up in Saskatchewan and so i grew up in saskatoon but my my relatives like my grandparents and some of my aunts and uncles lived in the south uh part of the province sort of close to the u.s border Uh, my grandmother had a ranch uh down there and just outside a little tiny dot of a town called saint victor Uh, and in saint victor there's like petroglyphs and stuff like that it's kind of an interesting little historical area Mm -hmm. more Mm -hmm. sort of like uh, pasture land than the grain belt and so there's a lot of cattle, cattle ranching and stuff down there. And so I used to go down in the summers and spend time with my grandmother because I just liked being down there. It's actually, I shot my first feature, Big Muddy, in uh, in around that same area. Um, and so I used to go down there and, and spend time with her every summer. And, and one summer I was there staying at her house. It was just me and her and my grandfather. My grandfather was asleep. And I woke up in the upstairs bedroom and there were all these kind of crazy lights coming in through the through the bedroom window from outside and i came down down the stairs i remember looking at the at the clock before i got out of bed and it was like 11 32 or something i can't remember the exact time but i remember looking at the clock and then going downstairs and going outside uh and my grandmother was standing out in the yard and there were all these sort of brilliant lights sort of up up above us which is sort of similar to how it's how it's presented in the in the film that's sort of sort of kaleidoscope of of colors uh and and i came outside and she was just standing there looking at the sky and i came and stood beside her and and i asked her what it was and she didn't know um and it maybe lasted five six seconds and then the colors just kind of like got sucked back as though they went through like a hole Mm -hmm. and they and the yard went dark and that was it and i remember we told my grandfather we saw it the 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 next day he didn't believe us and most people that I've told never believed me either. thought it was like northern lights or whatever but it was something a little bit different than that and and then I remember when I went upstairs the the clock was like four minutes behind what it was when I went downstairs which mm-hmm. I always thought was like very strange
0: mm-hmm.
1: so anyway that that's that's kind of the experience yeah I guess just colors there's there's no there's no shape no nothing no no like spotlight you know sort of classically shining down on us (laughs) right on your chest or something yeah yeah yeah. like there's no beam beaming us up into the sky or anything but yeah
0: was it scary or like what was there any kind of emotion or just you just like that's kind of weird
1: i think it's just like just weird and and strange and i don't know I, i guess you just at first you're just sort of like is it like a, a plane or what it, like what what is it i, I don't know mm-hmm. I, I don't know i mean i was 12 so yeah. I, I don't i don't really remember what i thought i just remember thinking this is really weird and what is going on and then it was over very quickly
0: you talked a little bit about the uh the reaction that you got from when you tell people the story has it kind mm-hmm. of shifted at all because there does seem to be much more like interest now in aliens and like new york times is reporting on aliens and ufos and things like that you know what i mean yeah so has it shifted? i mean
1: no okay. not really i mean it's the same as I, I think it's very similar to if you've if any if anybody ever tells you they saw a ghost there's like part of people that wants to believe in the unknown and then there's the same you know everybody kind of carries sort of skepticism you know, you try to rationalize everything, which I think is what we do as, as human beings. I mean, we rationalize a lot of awful, awful behavior and strange mm-hmm. events and all this type of stuff, right? Trying to find some type of reason or meaning and, and for why things happen. So I think it'd probably be similar to that if anybody's ever ever seen a ghost or has had a, that sort of mysterious kind of encounter. There's people that want to believe you because they want to believe an unknown. And then there's other people that want to try to find a a reason to disprove it or some type of rational explanation.
0: So is there one that you would like, like, I guess, which one would it be worse or better? Like, is it that when people believe you or don't believe you? Because sometimes, uh, sometimes people that believe you or may not be, the cheese may not be fully on the cracker either. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I don't really care. I mean, if they do, they do. If they don't, they mm-hmm. they don't. That's fine by me. But then that's another reason why I, my, I make films or I'm interested in, in art in general. You know, it's like to ex- sort of express these ideas or experiences or whatever and maybe make them more real in in my mind in some way.
0: And was that the spark then for Cosmic Dunn? You just wanted to kind of like go through this experience yeah. that you had and kind of process it? Uh, I mean,
1: yeah, a little bit. I mean, I th- like really the way that this... A, the sort of genesis of this of this story, I was living in Vancouver at the time, and I, you know, sort of like a stereotypical writer, I'd go right at a coffee shop around the corner from my place, because I lived in a very kind of tiny apartment, and I had two young, very young children at that time, so I needed sort of, it was either there or I'd go to a library, but when mm-hmm. I was feeling lazy, I'd just go to the coffee shop. And I, I wanted to do something about like, originally, I, I was kind of interested in doing something about Satanism, like a satanic cult, mm-hmm. you know, I was kind of I don't know why, but I was sort of interested in, in doing something along that. But then I I, I would write at this coffee shop. And I, I noticed I started noticing that the same woman would come in every day, and she would sort of insert herself at different tables and sit down and talk with people. And I always found it very strange because she didn't know them. So I was like, is she just being friendly and or is she lonely or or whatever it was? But then I started noticing that some of these meetings were maybe perhaps prearranged. And generally the people were very young. I would say like early 20s, late teens that she would be meeting with. Um, and, then, and then I noticed that sometimes these people were crying, would start crying, and she would start consoling them. Um, so then, uh, naturally, I was just kind of curious, so I'd start eavesdropping on all this, and I, I found out that she was part of a group called Radiant Rose, which is sort of like a New Age—you know—I guess maybe you could call it a cult. It's a New Age organization and in Vancouver that's, I guess, kind of similar to Eckankar. If anybody's
0: mm-hmm.
1: anybody, any of your listeners are familiar with Eckankar, which is the sort of new age sort of crystal cult type thing with light swords and all this stuff. And actually anybody that's interested in star Wars, I would check out Eckankar car. Cause there's a lot of similarities. <laughs> a there's a lot play, of, right? yeah. there's actually a lot, I mean, just in researching and so this led me down the path to research all these different sort of new age cults and the beliefs behind them and all this stuff. So this kind of, so it's shifted from Satanism into sort of more of a new age type thing. Uh But you know, I I so I'd written a draft of the script and it was a little too like new Agey, a little too sort of like yoga mat style cult. And I wasn't really interested in doing mm-hmm. doing something like that. And then I just thought, well, maybe I can use this experience that I had when I was younger and sort of make it into a UFO cult, maybe make it a little bit more of a genre type film. So that's sort of where where that came from. But in doing all this research, I I, I looked at all these different groups and there's actually a lot of sort of new age. Uh, philosophy and, and beliefs that are in Star Wars. I mean, if anybody's familiar with the Source family, they all talk about channeling the Source, which mm-hmm. is the Force. And there's Father Yod, who's the leader of the Source group, which is kind of like Yoda. And, you know, they all wore these sort of flowing sort of robes, very much like the Jedis. And the Ekin' logo itself kind of looks like the Rebel Alliance logo. And Ekin' they believe that, like, once you ascend to the highest sort of level of, of knowledge or whatever you're given like this what they call the light sword and the light sword defeats evil in the world so there's all these sort of things that sort of feed into star wars which i found really interesting sort of researching this but that's kind of where 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 this film took off as a combination of this past experience and then uh just sort of seeing this woman come in there and i was like well she's kind of recruiting which sort of fits into what i also what i wanted to do before but yeah. Uh, so yeah. it's all kind of transmuted into something different.
0: Yeah. It kind of parallels some of the L Ron Hubbard stuff with Scientology as well. Right. That kind of blend mm-hmm. of science fiction and I guess new agey kind of culty kind of mm-hmm. practices. And, right? and a lot of
1: this stuff is sort of rooted in occult beliefs too, as well. Like even, you know, Scientology is very similar to a lot of occultist beliefs. And anyway, so there, there's a kind of a meshing of, of different interests in a, in a lot of these groups.
0: And so with that little spark then, can you break down a little bit of what Cosmic Dawn is about and who are some of the people involved in it?
1: Well, I I think Cosmic Dawn really is about belief. Um, And I think, you know, people, you asked me earlier about, uh, you know, what people's response was when I would tell them this story. And And I think it's just a question of what people are predisposed to believing, right? So in a way, to me, the film sort of asks that question. Do you believe that this young woman who you know, had this encounter and i said do you believe that this is, that this really happened? Was it really all, all in her mind? Does this group that she meets that believes in alien life forms and, and other dimensions and stuff, are their beliefs true? Or are these people full of shit? You know, honestly, is sort of the question that I want the audience to be asking themselves while they, while they watch the film. So in a way, I think it's a film about, about belief and and why people are, predisposed to believe in what they what they do
0: yeah and you said it in a very unusual place the screaming heads uh can you explain mm. where that area is because you write at the end uh in the credits there's a message that says we were mm-hmm. blessed to have been to this magical place mm-hmm. so
1: so that's uh, a, that's in that's in ontario that's in northern ontario in Burke's falls um it's sometimes referred to as midlothian castle Um, so, uh, Peter Carmini, who's the artist behind all this, he had bought this, this land way back. I'm not sure exactly when, but he's just this sort of eccentric artist, a really kind of prominent force in that community up there. You know, he, he could like to, in order to shoot on, on his property, he just wanted to make, make us to make a large donation to the local library, you know? So he kind of, it's a very community centered place. He has a music festival there every year called Harvest Festival which is in September, I believe generally. And we had actually, we were, we were scouting locations and our location scout up there said, you know, I read your script and you got to go check out this crazy place that I know. And I had never heard of, of, screaming heads. So he took us to this place and it was just incredible. And we really liked Peter and, and, uh, cameo, uh, is a good friend of his who plays uh, cammy in the film she's one of the cult members dressed in brown she's sort of the the sort of caretaker of the property and peter's sort of the artist that creates all these screaming heads and he's built himself this castle and all this stuff on this property so it is like this really unique place i mean it's in the atlas obscura and, and all this stuff and um, and the festival is pretty popular as well. So we we went there and kind of hit it off with them and asked if we could if we could shoot there, and they gave us permission to. And so from there, we kind of worked that icono- iconography, mm-hmm. you know, the screaming head into the sort of overall design of the film.
0: And staying with the design of the film, how did the film's approach to color develop and evolve as you made Cosmic Dawn? Because obviously like, the movie opens with like an alien abduction and there's this kind of purpley-pink glitter haze. Um, mm-hmm. there's like all the cult members that you talked about they all have different like uniforms and different colors like kind of the jumpsuits kind of thing like so mm-hmm. how did as you kind of worked on the film how did the color develop and evolve
1: well some of that comes from like the occult color scale so in the occult color scale there's different colors for each sort of level of knowledge or you know um, uh, as you sort of ascend through the different the you know the different channels of occultism and stuff like that right with indigo being the highest and it all kind of feeds into like you know the different colors of the rainbow and all these different arrays and all that stuff so that was sort of like the departure point for how color would be used um and then you know there's some stuff like i i i i really like uh, james terrell and dan flavin and artists like this and and so that's where the light panels in the wall kind of came from and so it all kind of grew out of grew out of that like the use of of color within a lot of these groups that i i had researched and and um yeah and then just different artists that that uh work predominantly with light
0: yeah the dan flavin stuff really showed in the uh the compound i guess for the mm-hmm. uh, ufo cult right because just mm-hmm. that, that kind of style and it's interesting because ufos are traditionally like when we started talking like ufos are traditionally associated with light that's one of the consistent mm-hmm. stories and things that people see. There's a bright light or number of lights or floating lights or whatever, mm-hmm. maybe. And you as a filmmaker too, your job is basically to turn money into light. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of interesting that relationship between UFOs and light uh, as you make a film.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and light goes beyond that too. You know, people who have near death experiences talk Correct. about light, you know, and stuff like that. So light kind of has this mystical, Sort of uh, place in like human belief in in a lot of way, and I think no matter what religion you look at, you know, color plays a predominant role. Or there's predominant colors attached to you know it's green with Islam or with with Hinduism. It's it's orange generally, right? So every religion sort of has its sort of core core colors. And with Catholicism, it's purple. I, I'd say you know purple, blue, white. Um, so. And it seemed seemed only natural to sort of have a um, kind of bold color scheme to to go along with this quasi-religion that they're all involved in.
0: And not just a, uh, a bold color scheme, but you also have a bold soundtrack as well. Uh, MGMT mm-hmm. does a number of tracks as well. Mm-hmm. How did you get hooked up with them? And, like, uh, are they big UFO fans as well?
1: Uh, they're big genre film fans. So Andrew from... Andrew Van Weingarten from uh MGMT I, I had a personal sort of connection to him uh through Camille Rowe who who used to be partners with him at one point in time mm-hmm. and and I was a big MGMT fan and and I sort of talked to Camille about that and she was like well you should reach out to him I know that they've been looking to do produce some music for films or they're interested in kind of doing some of that stuff and they're big genre fans so that sort of led to talking to him unfortunately he never ended up being able to sort of take on the full task of doing the score. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he was involved, you know, he contributed a few tracks. And, and from there, we were fortunate enough to work with Alan Howarth who uh, has done a bunch of John Carpenter movies in the 1980s, like Halloween three and they live and big trouble in little China and Mm -hmm. escape from New York. So he's involved in all these classic sort of Carpenter films. And we wanted somebody that, that could do sort of more of a synthy sort of, you know, throwback eighties style score and, and uh, Alan had scored another film that one of my producers had been involved in, and so that kind of led to that. And
0: yeah, was well, that kind of up. 80s vibe as well? Because, like, the the font choice for the way Cosmic Dawn appears on the tile, like, uh, mm-hmm. the movie, some of the synth. Did you want to necessarily kind of throw in some of those kind of 80s kind of sci fi throwbacks a little bit, kind of like pepper them
1: yeah. in? Yeah. I mean, more than anything, I just like to try, I mean, I try to do this with my first feature too, is, is I just like to make films that are are kind of not tied to a specific time period. Cause I think that's a real way to sort of get your film dated. Um, So I like to, and I also just think life is kind of like that. I mean, not everything in 2022 or, you know, is, I mean, people have, Couches that were made in the 90s and cars that were made in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, fashion that was maybe more, you know, fashion is cyclical and always kind of cycles in and out of different eras and stuff like that. So I kind of look at, at filmmaking that way as well. Um, so to never really try to date it, I didn't want to do anything that was very, you know, very specifically contemporary. Uh, just to try to create a kind of timeless uh, world or, or you know story
0: yeah that works and how did you uh, settle in on the the two lead actresses both of them are really good Camille Rowe and Emmanuel Shariki how did you settle in on like that's a that was the vibe or what they had uh, that you wanted to put them into the film
1: um, we had one of our uh, producers on the film Mark Rasso had a working relationship uh, with Management 360 which is a company a management company in Los Angeles Um, had worked with them before and so we had sent them the script and said hey we're looking to cast these roles Um, we're interested in some people you represent and Camille was not somebody that we were really familiar with uh, but they they had recommended her and they said hey take a look at at her reel and her reel was really great I mean she had she had one thing on her reel that was like a self-tape that she had done for another film And I watched, it was maybe five minutes long and about three minutes went in. And I just thought she was just like talking with somebody off, off off camera or what I didn't know that she was actually running lines. Mm -hmm. And I was just really impressed. I was like, I can't believe that that was a scene because it actually just seemed like she was just having a natural conversation. So then I I met with Camille and I talked with Camille and we kind of hit it off and, um, so we we decided to to cast her in the film, and then uh, Emmanuel, I've just always really liked, and and she's she was fantastic. I mean, she's been a real real supporter of this film from the from the very beginning, and um and she did. I, I, I you know I didn't need to see a reel from Emmanuel. I knew Emmanuel quite yeah. well from before, and and yeah. So I think I think they're both great.
0: So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they both did a great job, and they they're interesting too because, like you said, Emmanuel, like she's kind of like a veteran; she's been doing a lot of stuff, right? And so she's mm-hmm. kind of been around the film scene and stuff like that. where Camille is still like getting her footing in terms of like film and television, you know what I mean, and still like mm-hmm. growing. So, but she did a great job, and she showed up, and she was able to like balance both like the vulnerability of like having a mother abducted possibly by an alien and trying to mm-hmm. deal with this like UFO cult at the same time.
1: Hmm. yeah yeah i think she gives a great performance in the film i'm really proud of the of the work that she did and she's doing quite well for herself you know she had another horror film called uh the deep house that came out mm-hmm. uh sort of late last year or, or maybe it was in the summer it came out uh which is also quite good i recommend people check that out and i know she's doing a whole bunch of tv stuff and all that that i'm not really at liberty to talk about but she's got a bunch of stuff kind of coming out here within the next year
0: That's cool. And as we're wrapping up, then what is the alien language that they use in the movie?
1: Oh, I just created that. I mean, that that's just a it's I mean, for people that speak more than one language, I think they'll be able to pick up certain words because the sentence, the sentence construction is structured very similar to English. Mm -hmm. But all the words, basically, I wrote this, wrote the text in English, and then I went through a a lot of different languages, finding words that would have the rhythm that I would like. So there's stuff that's pulled from Latin and stuff that's pulled from Tagalog, and there's stuff that, like, all these different languages that are sort of mixed together uh, to, you know, there's Arabic words in there, so... I've had a few screenings at the film where people ask like, what language is that? Cause I understood like random words, but mm-hmm. not. So it's kind of a mash. And then I would just change things to make it sort of flow easier off the tongue. So that's sort of the process that went into that.
0: So was it fun creating like your own, like, cause we talked a little bit about like L Ron Hubbard and uh, star Wars mysticism. Was it fun mm-hmm. kind of creating your own cult and your own language and like developing? the language was the
1: the language was the, the funnest part for me. I mean, I love doing that. I would have loved to write everything in the compound in that in that language. It was just fun. I mean, just even seeing the actors try to learn their lines and and all that. It was fun.
0: Your tagline for the your two thousand and seventeen short uh, Tucson Hot Dam was a love letter to yeah. to the weird capital of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just want to kind of circle back to what we were talking about with like UFO uh, cultists and come kind of to spiritualism. Like what is it about like these beautiful freaks or people that live quote unquote on the margins that kind of interest you? That seems to kind of run through some of your work.
1: They're just more interesting than ordinary <laughs> people.
0: I mean, ordinary you know, ordinary people are not. I mean, I, I mean, there's a lot of
1: there's a lot of great films out there that are about ordinary people, but that's not sort of what attracts me to art, you know, or at least the art that I I I like. You know, I'm more interested in in you know, stuff that's not really visible or, or people that sort of exist at the margins or, or people that are part of some very specific subculture, all that all that stuff is a lot more interesting because, you know, just in, in, in general, as a, as a human being and as an artist, I'm, I I just want to learn about stuff that I'm unfamiliar with. I mean, that's sort of what attracts me to all this. You know, it's like seeing this woman in the cafe... You know, recruiting people to Radiant Rose, I'm like, okay, what is Radiant Rose? Oh, and then that leads me to whatever. So my, I kind of follow my interests that way. So, yeah. yeah.
0: And are you hoping then, like, you've already alluded a little bit to it, but are you hoping that viewers, like, what are you hoping that viewers will take away from watching Cosmic Dawn? Is it to, like, maybe even look up a little bit more and see some of the stars and look for things or have more empathy for the unknown? Or what is it that you're hoping, like, as a takeaway, I guess? Well, I
1: mean, I just, you know, I think uh we live in kind of tough times right now with the pandemic and and just everything going on in society. So, I think the film's a little bit of a, you know, a little escapism for people. So, I hope that people can go and have a have a fun time watching all the crazy psychedelic colors and and sort of enter a world that's unfamiliar to them. Um, and then just on a on a on a different level sort of what i said before you know it's like do i believe in this i think i think you know people's people's reactions to the film might say a lot about you know who they are as people
0: mm-hmm. are you
1: do you do you want to believe in the unknown or are you going to go through the film and be like these people are full of shit you know
0: and in terms are, of- are they
1: on are they on to something or are they all full of shit you know that's okay. sort of the central question
0: yeah and in terms of responses that you've gotten for the film like you said you already had some screenings like have people come to you or mentioned like that they have seen other things like unidentified objects in the sky or had abductions?
1: No, mostly people are just really skeptical about <laughs> my experience. So that's usually usually <laughs> what I get asked about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on, come yeah. on. It must have been this. That's generally generally yeah. sort of what it is. Yeah. And then and then people people seem to be really interested in the language, the, the, what we call reptine, the language in the film. Mm -hmm. Um, That's been a sort of a big talking point with, with people. And then, you know, and then people are like, in your mind, I get to ask this a lot "In your mind is all this real or is it all, all in their heads? And I mean, that's not for me to answer. Yeah. That's that's up to the audience.
0: It's funny because it's like the UN UFO is just unidentified. It's just that there's something there it doesn't always mm-hmm. necessarily have to be quote-unquote aliens it's that mm-hmm. th- there was just something that whether we can't explain it or whether it's the limit of science or whatever may be there's something that we can't explain as you said you were like 12 years old you didn't have mm-hmm. enough quote-unquote knowledge or like background you didn't have a degree <laughs> anything to really kind of process the experience that you were having right mm-hmm. so that's i think too mm-hmm. what you're talking about where like are these people full of shit or not like sometimes people see something and they just not qualified quote unquote qualified to understand what it is that they've seen.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess in a, in a certain way, I, I don't necessarily know if, if you know, the level of education that you've had, but I think maturity and sort of life experience probably, you know, like, you know, when you're younger, I mean, as, as you get older, you know, you have people pass away, you have experiences that you you know, seem very serendipitous, and you can't quite explain. I mean, everybody's had these experiences at some point in life where, you know, it's spooky mm-hmm. things that happen. You know, like man, that's a crazy coincidence. I can't believe that that happened. You know, and you start trying to find meaning in 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 that. And when you're when you're younger, I, I think it's just much more of a sensory experience than it is, you know, an, an intellectual experience. So,
0: yeah. So the film. It's called cosmic dawn and it'll be coming out on uh digital release on uh, February 11th, but I think it'll be mm-hmm. have It'll have some theater, uh, theatrical screenings in the U S as well. Right.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. It's actually, it's opening in Vancouver on the, on February 4th. So very soon it's playing in Vancouver. Um, and then it opens in Los Angeles and Denver on the weekend of February 11th. And I know that we're, we're looking at getting dates in, in Toronto here in in Canada right now, but We'll see with all the theater restrictions and all that stuff. I, I think that's it's things are kind of up in the air in terms of how things, how open things are going to be and what capacity levels are at and all that stuff. But BC is more open than than Toronto was at, at this time. So
0: okay, I'll put the link in there as well so that people then can then follow up and then see uh, if their screenings show up or where they can download it on february 11. so but thank okay. you so much jefferson for hanging out uh we covered yeah thanks Fridge. sammy uh we covered star wars uh your mm-hmm. uh, your close encounter when you were 12 years old and that the movie is called cosmic mm-hmm. dawn so thank you very much for like hanging out
1: yeah thanks sammy i appreciate it and i, I hope everybody enjoys the film may you reach the dawn
0: Writer and director Jefferson Moneo, and I'm Sammy, host of My Summer Lair. He and I were talking about Cosmic Dawn. If you want to check out this movie, go to your nearest on-demand platform. Or check out Cosmic Dawn Film on Twitter at Cosmic Dawn Film for nearby screenings. Reach out and let me know what you think. Oh, and you have to let me know what you thought of Jefferson's crazy light story. Or, do you want to get into this? Let's get into this a little bit. Have you had a similar experience? Have you seen something unexplained in the night sky? Something that defies easy explanation. Reach out. Reach out. Like, seriously, reach out. I'm so curious. I'm at my summer layer for all three my summer layer for Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. What do you think of Jefferson's crazy light story? And have you had a similar experience? Something that was unexplained. Thank you so much for listening to me in the Netflix world. UFOs, yo.